good to be here. Uh, just one quick thing, uh, note, announcement. Uh, don't forget to sign, I think out on the table today we'll have our, uh, it's the first of every month we have our missionary cards, so don't forget to sign those. We send our missionaries, if you don't know, anniversary and birthday cards to the, fan, to the husband, the wife, the kids on the mission field, and it's just an encouragement to them. It's just encouragement to them that we're thinking about them. So sign those, and if you feel like, uh, oh, all I can do is write my name, that's fine. Just seeing the people that, that care enough to stop by and sign is great. So I want to thank Anthon for, he left, I think, so forget him. Yeah. <laughs> he took the kids and left. Anthon for leading us uh, preaching last, last Sunday. I was taking a little break. Emily, for it was like the hall show, Anthony and Emily worship and sermon, and so that was great. Uh, took a little break, but I'm, I'm ready for the new year. I'm excited about what we're about to engage in, and uh, today the title of the sermon is pretty boring. It's Introduction. That's the title, Introduction. So today I'm going to be introducing some things to you. So, so really, today is to get your, your, your heart, your minds prepared for what's going to be coming really throughout this year, uh, throughout 2016. Because uh, over the past several months, I've been thinking and I've been praying about what we as a church should focus on in this new year, in 2016. Several things became uh, clear to me. I, I, ha- I have sort of a list. It's not exhaustive, but this is what I've been thinking and, and praying about. And uh, I think we certainly are planning to continue reaching out in our community. We came here to this community over a year and a half ago, and we want to do better at outreach, reaching out. Last year, we hired Anthon as our youth and outreach pastor. That's what one of our purposes is. So, so as Anthony and I are working together, planning uh, how we can be more effective in communicating the gospel where we live, where our church is, and, and also uh, stretching out into where you live, into our neighborhoods. So we're also planning uh, ways to grow closer together as a church. We've, we've called this body life. We want to, again, place an emphasis on how we can come together, how we can grow in having genuine relationships with one another, becoming united together as the family of God. I've asked uh, uh, one of our couples, Brian and Jill Arts, to help me with this. And so we'll be meeting together just talking about how can we do this? How can we generate just some better uh, body life in our congregation? We've, we've also starting a brand new ministry. Uh, maybe you've heard uh, of it. We've We've talked about it. Stephen Ministry. Woo. Who was that? Oh, I'm wonder. Hmm. This is a ministry, uh, if you're not aware, that trains lay people. That's you. I'm, I'm clergy. You're laity in the... Just kidding. No. It's going to train me too. So it trains us. It trains people to come alongside and provide loving care for those who are experiencing difficult times in life. Illness divorce, death, just those difficult times in life. So, so we're going to start this training. Denise uh, Allen and Dina Cad went all the way to Texas to get some training on how to train us, and so they're going to be starting that coming up next Sunday. So we're excited about that 50 hours of training. Whoa. Great. Can't wait. 
No, I'm excited about that. We, wanna, we also want to grow our existing ministries, our small group ministries, our youth ministry, children's ministry, our men's ministry and women's ministries. We want to become better uh, in those areas. I think one of the key areas that I think I would like us to see us grow in this year is just in our, in our uh, corporate prayer time. It'd just be great. I mean, Georgia, she's great. Is Georgia here? She's probably in uh, Annapolis or something back with her family. But, but she leads every Sunday morning a, a prayer time. And it would just be great if we could have more involvement in that. I'd like to see greater participation in our... Uh, Elevate service, our Wednesday evening time of worship, just more of us coming out to that and worshiping the Lord together on the first Wednesday of the month. I want 2016 to be a year in which we all, each one of us, grow in our faith, a year that we come to know and we come to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in in greater ways, that we come to know Him and to, to make Him known in our world. For his glory, for his honor, that he might be glorified and lifted up. So that's sort of a, a, a little idea of what I want to see, I want us to see happen in 2016. And as I thought and as I prayed about these things, I asked the Lord, what, what can I, uh, on our Sunday mornings, this is the time we gather together, what can I in the Sunday morning messages do to help the church in all of these, the things we've talked about, and, and even more, things that I haven't even thought about that the Lord will impress upon us during this year? And the thing that I was impressed with over and over again was our need to better understand and better apply the Word of God. That's at the heart. Pastor and author David Platt, one of the speakers at uh, InterVarsity's conference that uh, Tom and Denise were at, this past, uh, just after Christmas, said this, You and I can trust this word. It forms and fulfills, motivates and mobilizes, equips, empowers, leads and directs the people of God in the church for the plan of God in the world. The word of God. It's the key. It's the heartbeat. So what I've decided to do on Sunday mornings in 2000, 2016, is to preach from the Word of God. Now, now I hope you're saying, I hope you're saying, isn't that what you always do? And the answer is yes. Every Sunday at Bridges, whether it's me, one of our elders, our staff people, anyone preaching from the Word, anyone preaching is preaching from the Word of of God. Sometimes the sermons are, are topical you know what that means. Uh, a, topical, a topical sermon looks at, uh, at a different topic in the Scripture, looks at s- different Scriptures that talk about that topic, sort of pulls them together. We, we just saw that in our Advent series. E- each week we were doing a different topic of hope and of peace and of joy and of, of love. Most of the time, however, my, my sermons or sermons here at Bridges are not topical, but they're textual. What does that mean? This is usually when we go through a specific Bible text. We allow that text to sort of dictate what we're going to talk about. Looking at the text, uh, what the text has to say to us. It's sort of what we call expository preaching. We take out of what we come to the Word and we allow it to speak to us. 
And most often, when I preach, I preach through the text of a specific book of the Bible. Since I began uh, as the, the pastor here in 2009, we've went through several books, whole books of the Bible in the, in the preaching series. And, and I just have a little pop quiz that I could uh, be embarrassed by here, but some of you guys can help me out. What are some of the books we've went through over the past? Wow. We got Philippians, which we just did. Good. James, which Gary, Gary has memorized, so it doesn't matter. What else? J- John. John, we went through John, 86 weeks of John. Acts, first 13 chapters of Acts. Psalms, we did several Psalms. Psalms is a unique book, isn't it? Because each, each chapter is sort of self-contained. And so you can do a chapter of, a, of Psalms. And so we have went through several chapters of Psalms. Others, you remember? First John. Thanks, Mark, for being here. <laughs> thanks, thanks. And, and giving us that. I think that was the first one I did. That's what I meant. The first, the first one I did when I uh, started started preaching. Others, any Ephesians? No, but nice try. <laughs> did we do Ephesians? Maybe we did Galatians. Is that what you? Okay, maybe we did, but we did Galatians. I think we've said them all, but two, and they're Ruth. No, I'm not there yet. Don't, don't, oh no. One more. That we did, oh yeah, two more. Okay, so we did, we did Genesis chapter 12 through 22, the, the life of Abraham. So that, yes. So one more. Jonah. We did do, we did do, and so that was a little different. We did, we did through the Gospels. And we didn't do verse by verse, we did uh, uh, looking at when Jesus and the disciples engaged their world. And that what we did fairly recently. But Jonah, yeah, so as far as I remember, and I'm pretty good at remembering what I talk about, that, that's it. So good, you guys together made me feel like I'm not wasting my time. <laughs> All right. So, so now both in the, in the topical sermons that, that we do from time to time and the textual, the expository sermons, they're important. They're helpful to us as we seek to understand and apply the Word of God in our lives. But, but oftentimes in topical sermons and sometimes even in the, these expository textual sermons, there's a problem that, that we have. And that problem is we're, we're, we're focused in on the, the micro and we forget the big picture. We forget the big picture of, of what God has done throughout history. If you've been coming to Bridges for very long, you've probably heard me talk about, emphasize this idea of context. You guys know what context is. You've heard the saying, taking something out of context so I, I want to think about just understanding context for a second, because this is going to lead us into uh, talking about why we want to do what we're going to do this year. The importance of not the context is just the importance of not just looking at a verse by itself, but understanding the the context of the verse, knowing uh, some things about the book that you're reading. The book in the Bible is it a letter? Is it a history? Is it poetry? Is it uh, is it a, a revelation, a, a prophecy? So knowing who the author is, knowing something about the book, know who in the, the author's writing to. 
What, and what's his purpose? Why is he writing this? So that's the sort of the background context. And then the, the, there's sort of the immediate context of the book itself. What are the verses just before it? What are the verses after it? What is the whole book trying to say? That's the context. And if you don't know the context, then you can so, oftentimes misinterpret, misunderstand, and miss out on what the Bible is trying to say. Remember, we saw this in our recent study in Philippians, if you were with us. Remember, Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 13. He said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We said that this verse is often taken out of context. People often use it as just this standalone phrase. Remember, we saw the tattoos. People have it tattooed on them. Selves. They, they, but they don't consider the whole of the book. They don't consider what's gone before, what comes after. It, it's become this sort of Christian superhero verse. We use it to say, God will help me accomplish all of my goals and my dreams. But as we pointed out, when you look at the context of Philippians, the all things that Paul could do in context uh, were, were the difficult circumstances he could endure in life. What Paul was saying is that no matter how great a difficulty in my life is, I am able to be content in all things by the strength and power of the Lord who's working in me. And that's just one example of how important it is to, to get the context. So the point is that, that context is key to understanding and applying God's Word in our lives. And what I want us to see is that the Bible, itself, the Bible itself provides a context for understanding each and every part of the Bible. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is you need to understand the Old Testament to understand the New Testament. You need to understand Genesis to understand John. You need to understand Isaiah to understand Matthew. You need to understand Daniel and Ezekiel to understand Revelation. I know many of you are involved, or some of you, I don't know many, are involved in BSF, Bible Study Fellowship. If you're in Bible Study Fellowship, raise your hand. We, got, we have several there. So you, you guys probably get what I'm saying, especially you're studying the book of Revelation right now, right? But you, you just didn't open up Revelation, right, and start reading. You had to go back and look at some Daniel, right? Am I right here? Some Ezekiel, some of the books in the Old Testament to provide a context for this oftentimes difficult to understand book. We need to have the big picture understanding of Scripture if we're going to correctly understand and apply it to our lives, how God intended it to be. Now that's not to say, just so I'm clear, it's not to say that God can't work through a verse or a passage or a book, even when we don't know the the whole big picture, everything about, we don't have to know everything before God can work. He does that all the time. He allows us, he, give, he gives us grace and he allows us to, uh, to, he speaks to us through his word in different verses and passages. But it is to say, so I'm not saying we, can't, we have to know everything before we know anything, but I am saying that his word, what God has given us, is more than just a bunch of individual verses to read, even memorize, even try to apply. He's given us more than a bunch of books to study on their own. He's given us a book. He's given us the book. He's given us His Word from Genesis to Revelation that is telling really one unifying story 
A story that grows and a story that builds, a story that develops uh, to a great conclusion. And what I'm saying is that we sometimes skip to the end of the story without understanding the beginning or, or, or the middle. And when we do that, we not only misinterpret and misunderstand, but I think we miss out on the depth of the experience God wants to have with you as you enjoy His Word. Now, we get this when it comes to, to movies, I think. Last week, hate to admit that, no, I don't, but Christine and I went to see the, the new Star Wars movie. Has, has everybody seen it that wants to see it? Good, because I got some spoilers coming here. Oh, sorry. All right. It's not, it's not a big deal. So we saw this, and even if you hadn't seen, this was part seven in the series of Star Wars movies, right? And even if you hadn't seen episodes one through six, there was some pretty good entertainment, self-contained entertainment in this movie. But to really understand what was going on, to not misinterpret, to not misunderstand, and not to miss out, to feel the excitement as everyone is searching for this guy named Luke, who could that be? To feel the joy when, when Han and Leia embrace. To feel the fear when, when Darth Vader's crushed helmet is, is just shown. To feel the pain when a beloved character loses their life. To get the full experience, you need the context. You need to know what's gone before. You need to see episodes one through six. Or at least four through six, because one, two, three, you could just throw those out. Sorry, sorry, just kidding. Now, if this is true about a fictional story as trivial as Star Wars, how much more truer, if I can uh, misuse the English language, how much more truer is it about the true historical story found in the Word of God? Yes, this is a story woven through the pages of the Bible. A story that provides a foundation, a context for understanding every individual book and passage and verse. A story that begins in Genesis, a story that develops and grows throughout the rest of the Bible, and a story that concludes in the book of Revelation. And that story is the the story or, or his story, history of redemption. Notice how I've written it in your notes. If you have your notes, I want to mention this because I'm going to forget. So, our notes usually, and this uh, is no different, if you have the notes in our, our uh, eight and a half by 11 with hole punches in them. And so especially in this upcoming series, it might be great. You might want to think about just getting a notebook to put those in. I think it'd be very helpful. In fact, if I can remember, uh, next Sunday, I think I can scrounge up a bunch of notebooks. I'll have a box there at the back. You can just, a three-ring binder is what I'm talking about, just a three-ring binder to stick those in. And you can put those in, and I'll talk about this in a minute, but our, our small groups will have notes as well, and you can put those all together. You can put in your own paper, take your own notes. But, and, and if you stick with us for this year, you could come out at the end of the year with a really nice notebook of, of the Word of God, the, the history of redemption. Now just, again, notice what I've, how I've written it here, the, His story. Uh, this is the title of our sermon series. It is His, it's God's story. It's a, it's a history, it's a true story of God's dealing with humanity throughout history. And, and it's a story of redemption. 
In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, we read this. So hang with me here for a second. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the great and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. There are a number of verses in Scripture that talk about redemption. I chose this one to make a point. Hold on, and I'll make that point. But, but first, the word redemption literally means to deliver, to deliver by paying a ransom. We as Christians understand that our, our redemption comes through Christ. We've been delivered by Christ. We've been delivered from our sin because He paid our ransom on the cross. He paid the, the debt that He didn't know. He paid for our sins. But look at this verse. We don't get the full impact and understanding of our redemption. We don't understand the history of redemption unless we understand what a, what a high priest is. Unless we understand why is this author talking about a tent? What's the tent he's referring to there? Unless we know what the holy places are. Unless we're familiar with the, the purpose of the blood of, of goats and calves. And this is just two verses in the New Testament. Now, if I, if I, or any good preacher, that's putting me in the category of good preacher, if any good preacher were, were preaching on this text, uh, they would go back and they would provide that context for you. They would go back into the Old Testament and talk about those different things. That's what we usually do, at least in sermons. You get the context, sort of looking at the New Testament and then projecting back into what is that what where did we find that in the old testament and that's good and that's fine it's necessary but even if we do that well i I think we can still miss out because we don't have time to get the full picture the full story we don't get the whole experience we don't have it in our dna and our background so what we need to do what we need to do is we need to start at the beginning and walk through the whole Bible. We need to see how this story of redemption is developed, how it unfolds, how it begins and becomes more and more clear as time moves forward, how it progresses. In fact, this story is often called the progress of redemption. And the way we'll see this is, is that the progress or history of... And what we're going to see is that this story, this progress or history of redemption uh, points to Christ. It points to Christ. The whole of, the, of God's Word is about Christ. He's sort of the unifying factor in the Word of God. I, I've shared this before, but I think it's worth pointing out, worth, worth remembering. We can summarize the Bible. This is the simplest summary I've ever heard this way. The Old Testament is the preparation for Christ. The Gospels are the... the, So this is in order of how the Bible's written. The Old Testament, kind of lumping the whole thing together. Preparation for Christ's coming. The Gospels, the manifestation. Christ came. He's here. He manifests Himself. The book of Acts is that proclamation. Go ye therefore and make disciples. 
the epistles, the, the letters, they're, they're the ones that exp- explain Christ and our relationship with Him. And then finally, Revelation, the culmination of Christ's work. The story of the Bible is the story of how God has redeemed a people for Himself through His Son, Jesus Christ. So the question is, how are we, this year, going to look at this story? Now, if you've been with us for any time in any of our our, our book studies, you know that this might take some time. The book of John, as we mentioned, we went through that. 21 chapters uh, took us 86 weeks. We studied the, that's, that's over a year for those, 52 weeks in a year. Uh, I think it took over two years because we, we had different breaks and stuff. Book of Philippians, we just did the book of Philippians, that took us 12 weeks, four chapters, 12 weeks. And so if you, you look at that, on average we cover about one chapter every four weeks. And the Bible has 1,189 chapters. So at my normal rate, uh, this would take us 4,756 weeks, or 91 and a half years to go through the Bible. All right. You guys ready? We better get started. That's right. Amen. So uh, I'm going to have to speed it up a little bit. We're going to have to do this a little differently. We can't go verse by verse, detail by detail. So we're going to go, we're going to have to hit the highlights, but I think we're going to get a good picture. We're not going to leave out stuff. We may not study verse by verse. We may not read everything in, uh, on Sunday morning, but we're going to get a good picture. We're going to specifically address the passages that speak most clearly uh, on this history of redemption. I want us to see how it all points to Christ, how He is the focus of it all. Now that's what we'll be doing on Sunday morning here as we gather together. But we also have two other ways we can engage with this history of redemption. First, uh, at least some, I haven't talked to all of our small group leaders, but at least some of our small groups will be following along with this series. So in your small groups, you'll have the opportunity to get more into the passage, to ask questions, to, 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 to look at it deeper. And if you're not in a small group, I would encourage you to join one. You don't want to miss out on this. The information on our small groups is in our bulletin. So they're listed there. And so find one, call one of the leaders, talk to them. So join a small group. That'll be another way to engage this this material. And second, uh, I would encourage you to, to, to take the challenge to read through the Bible this year. So that as we on Sunday morning sort of hit the highlights, you'll have already read uh, both the passage for that Sunday and the surrounding, the surrounding text. So you'll, you'll know what's coming. Now there are a lot of reading plans out there, a lot of Bible read through the Bible plans. I, I have a printout of, of the one that's very close. It'll follow, I think it'll hit, if I can, if I can stay on track, it'll hit uh, uh, each week. You'll, you'll read before... That week, you'll read, and then I'll preach on that text that you've just read from during that week. Okay, and I have some handouts. They're on the welcome table if you want a hard copy of this. It's 52 weeks, so we're going to end this, if, we do, if I do it right, uh, early January of next year, okay? And so I have those printouts. Also, uh, on our website, if you go to our website... 
How many even know we have a website? Hey, amen. If you go to bridgesonline.org, if you go to our website, there's a tab up at the top called Sermons. You click on that tab, and then it's hard to see because our we're trying to update our website, just so you know. But right now, this is what it is. There's two little lines. One says Sermons, and you click on that if you want to listen to the sermon. One says Sermon Resources. Click on that, the Sermon Resources, and there you can download a PDF of the same thing that I have printed out there. You all, there's also a link to a web page that has all of, the, all of the readings listed out, and you can check them off, or you can, you can even click listen to it, and you can listen to it. And finally, there's one more that I think uh, many of us will take advantage of. This is how I'm going to do it. On your phone or your iPad or whatever you, uh, whatever you use, there's, a, there's an app called YouVersion. It's a Bible app. Maybe, maybe you've heard of it, familiar with it. It's pretty good. It's free. And one of the things it has is daily reading plans. And so you can download this app. You can go to the little tab that says plans, and you choose the plan that says... Reading God's Story, One-Year Chronological Plan. And that's the plan that's out on there. That's the plan on the PDF. So, so that one allows you to uh, check it off on your phone or even read it from your iPad or phone, okay? Finally, one more. Each week, and this is the simplest one, by the way, in your notes... I'll include the reading plan and the passage for the following week. So if you have your notes for this week, if you look on the back, and this is where I'm going to put it, in the back bottom left corner, uh, I've written down the YouVersion app, So because if you didn't get what I said there. Uh, and then next week's passage, so next week we're going to cover Genesis chapter 1 through 11. 11 chapters in one Sunday. It's going to be a record. And then, and then so listed out is your daily reading for that week if you want to follow along. Uh, day 1, Genesis 1-2, and then, and then there's, some, there's some other... It's, this is a chronological plan, so if you'll notice, uh, on day 2 you're going to read John, that's in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 1-3. Why would that... Why would that... Bible scholars here, why would John 1-3 through be in... Why would you be reading that at the very beginning? Because John chapter 1, verse 1-3... through says, and I can't quote it, but in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So it, it sort of gives a picture, puts Christ in there, saying Christ, the Word. And then verse 14 is going to say in John, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's, so this, this guy, this is, uh, who did this plan? Uh, last name is Guthrie. He's a Bible scholar. And so this is a chronological plan, and I think it would be great for us to do this plan together. All right? Any questions? That's the introduction. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Good, good. Patty. Yes, you can. Yes. The U version, is that what you're talking about? Yes, the U version has the audio right in there so you can listen. Uh, some people don't like to read or just don't have time. You can do it in your car, on your, on your uh, commute, if you have a commute. Other questions? You are, 
Yes, you can. I, he, he, he asked, can you use the Bible? Yes, you can. You can. That's my dad. He's kind of old school, you know. What, what am I going to say? Uh, Ashley, did you? The handouts are on the visitor table. And so that, that will give you, it's just one, it's one page, of, page of paper, piece of paper, front and back, and it, sh- it says week one and gives the list of readings, week two, week two, so you can check them off yourself. If you just want to use a, a great dad, grab a piece of paper, stick it in your Bible, and you can use the Bible. Good job. Yeah, they're all the same plan. They're all the same plan. The, the handout, the version app, the PDF, all the same plan. All right? If you have any other questions, ask me later. We're good. So I just want to say I'm very excited uh, to see what God's going to do this year at Bridges. When I shared this plan with our small group leaders, I I gave them a heads up since uh, hopefully they'll join in and we'll be doing this together. Uh, One of them sent me an email that said, I know the series is going to be life-changing. Good encouragement. And And that's my prayer for each one of us. But I do have one final question for us all. The answer to this question uh, will in many ways determine how, how we get, what we get out of this journey we're going to take through the Word of God in 2016. And the question is, uh, do you, I'm going to put the emphasis, do you truly value God's Word? Do you truly value God's Word? Do you, do you, do you have an a intrinsic understanding of its value? God, in His infinite wisdom, the Creator of the universe, God has chosen to communicate with us through a, 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 this written Word. God has chosen to give us this, this great gift, written by human authors, yet inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have in our possession... We have in our possession the words of the living God. We have in our possession the truths that the Creator of the universe has chosen to reveal to us. A book that tells uh, the story of redemption. A book that leads us into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. A book that reconciles us through Christ. A book that gives us this plan. I would say I'm not overstating it. When I say that this is not only the most valuable book ever written, but is in fact infinitely valuable. Because contained in its pages are the the words of the infinite God. There's no question to its actual value. The question is, do we actually value it? Do we know in our hearts and show by our actions, believe in our heads, our hearts, with our actions, that we understand its truth? True worth. If someone examined our lives, would they see that we have a love for God's Word? Do we read it? Do we study it? Do we memorize it? Do we meditate on it? And most importantly, do we obey it? Do we apply it to our lives? Do we know the value of God's Word? Some, some of you know that I used to go to swap meets and garage sales and, and I would go and I would be looking for treasures. And treasures were things that I could make a profit on. Things that I could buy low and sell high. During one of my trips to the swap meet, I found a book at the bottom of a box of stuff. I've told this story before, but 
so exciting. I love it. Anyway, it was a book. Uh, it, w- it wasn't a Bible, sorry. It was a book by Stephen King, that prolific author, and it was called The Gunslinger. I I've n- haven't read it, hadn't read it, but it looked kind of interesting, so I asked how, the guy, how, how much is this? And he said, uh, 25 cents. I thought that was a little high. I was gonna, but I went in and paid him. Later when I got home, I, I looked at the book a little more closely and saw that it was a first edition. Okay, But since it wasn't very old, it was published in 1982. That's old now. Back then it wasn't as old. But anyway, I didn't think it would be worth that much. But I looked it up on eBay, and similar books were selling between $400 and $800, depending on the condition. I actually sold that book for $600. When I was holding the book at the swap meet, I didn't know its true value, monetary value, that is. If the guy had had said, uh, yeah, give me a couple bucks for that, I probably would have tossed it back in the box and walked away. But 25 cents, who can pass that up? And I would have missed out on the treasure because I didn't know its true value. David wrote in Psalm 1910, about the words of God, the word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even more fine, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. David understood, David embraced, David valued God's word. He knew it was a, a treasure. And it's my prayer that, that this year, as we walk through God's word together, that we will come to, to just see how awesome, the awesome, the amazing value it has, that our eyes and our hearts will be open to the treasure it truly is, that we will experience the Word of God in, in new and exciting ways, that our minds will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, our hearts will experience the joy of the Lord, and our lives will be transformed by the power of the Lord through His Word. Amen? So that's the intro. I said that already once, but I had more. Uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm very excited about this, about what's to come. I would also just suggest if there are people in your your life, maybe maybe non-believers even, who don't know anything about God's Word, this would be a perfect opportunity for them to start. Invite them to come and and spend this time with us. We're going to start at the beginning. And so uh, that's oftentimes... uh, uh, appealing to people that they can start, oh wait, you're in this passage here and I don't know anything about this book. Well, this is, we're going to start at the beginning. And so take this opportunity to invite someone maybe that's never uh, been to church before. So we're going to move to communion now. And this is the first Sunday of the year, the first Sunday of every month uh, here at Bridges. We join together for communion, we as, as believers. The communion, if you're a visitor here today, you're welcome to join us in communion, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ. Communion is for, is for believers. It was established by believers for uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his followers. Now, as I've said, in 2016, we're going to focus on the history of redemption. And what I would like to do this morning, just real quickly, in this first communion, is to remember the redemption The redemption, the deliverance that we've received through Jesus Christ. That's what communion's for. Communion is the remembrance of the redemption we've received through the Lord. And most every Sunday, when we 
uh, have communion, we look at one specific passage. And that passage is 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. In that passage, Paul reminds the, 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 the Corinthian believers how Jesus, at the Last Supper, so Paul goes back to the Last Supper and talks about how Jesus established the Lord's Supper. And he, and he says this, he writes this, Paul writes in verse 23, For I received from the Lord what I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now, if you look at the immediate context of this passage... Immediately, the verses before and after, really, actually, the, the, the whole book in some ways, if you look at the immediate context of these four verses, you'll see that the church in Corinth is not doing communion very well. They're blowing it as far as communion. There were several problems. When they met together as believers, did communion, instead of being one family, they divided into separate groups. They seem to be dividing along social lines. Paul mentions how, how some members seem to keep to themselves rather than share their food. I guess they had sort of a potluck, but they were separate. You can't have my fried chicken. I don't know. What, whatever. And uh, they would separate into groups, and they wouldn't come together. Also, so there were some people that were having so much to drink that they were getting drunk uh, before uh, communion. And in this atmosphere where, where sharing had been forgotten, the church tried to remember and celebrate the redemption that God had provided by sharing, by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to the world. And it was a mockery. And Paul's method for correcting this abuse was to remind the church of the Last Supper's true meaning. In, in, in these four verses, he reminds them how it all started. And what its original purpose was. He puts a a communion in context. Paul had received the account as part of the church's tradition and had passed it along to them faithfully. And now he's reminding them again. In in these brief verses, Paul makes several statements to remind them of the true meaning of the Lord's Supper. And in light of what, what I've said about the importance of understanding the big picture... The context in Scripture, I want to quickly look at two things in these verses that are seen that point to redemptive history, okay? First, Jesus at the Last Supper, that's what Paul's talking about, the Last Supper, on the night when he was betrayed, established the Lord's Supper. So we have the Last Supper, we know the Last Supper, right? Jesus' final, uh, final meal with his disciples, and he establishes the Lord's Supper at the Last Supper. Now, the church knew that at the, at the night that Jesus was betrayed, he and his disciples had gathered in the upper room to celebrate what? Passover. They had gathered to celebrate the Passover meal. The context of the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, is the Passover meal. The establishment of the Passover meal is found in the second book of the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. The Passover meal looked back at God's deliverance of Israel out of bondage to Egypt 
Genesis records that the children of Israel had gone down into Egypt to seek uh, safety from a famine. There was a famine in the land. They went down into Egypt. Then the Exodus, in Exodus, we find out that eventually the Egyptians forced them all into slavery. But after 400 years of slavery, God sent Moses to Pharaoh to demand the release of his people. Over and over again, Pharaoh refused to let God's people go. And God, in turn, sent ten plagues against Egypt. The tenth plague was the angel of death. The angel of death would visit every home in Egypt and kill every firstborn male. Unless the angel found blood sprinkled on top and on the sides of the door. In that case, the angel would pass over that home. The Passover meal celebrates the fact that the angel passed over the homes of the children of Israel. And that through this final plague, finally Pharaoh relented, God delivered the people of Israel from bondage in Egypt. Passover represented salvation from death and deliverance from slavery. Passover represented salvation from death and deliverance from slavery. So think about the significance that Jesus established the tradition of the Lord's Supper at Passover. Like Passover, the Lord's Supper is a celebration of salvation from death and deliverance from slavery. As the children of Israel were saved from the angel of death and delivered from slavery in Egypt, because they took the blood of an innocent lamb and put it on the the top and the sides of the doorpost, sort of forming a, a cross, some would say, So we are saved from eternal death and deliverance from slavery to sin because we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who died on the cross and whose blood covers our sin. And now that we have the big picture, we know that Passover was a picture. Passover is the... Jesus didn't do what He did. Let's get this. Jesus didn't do what He did because, oh, there's this Passover thing. Let me relate to this. Passover was a picture of what was to come. Passover is a picture of the redemption we would receive through Christ. Passover represents what Jesus on the cross did to save us from death and deliver us from slavery to sin. So so that's the first thing we find uh, in these verses that points to the history of redemption. The second is found in verse 25, and it has to do with covenant. In the Old Testament, we'll see as we walk through, we'll probably hit every one, we'll see God establishing a number of covenants with his people. The main covenant was made with Abraham in the book of Genesis and was later firmly established with Moses in the book of Exodus, Moses and the children of Israel. It was a covenant in which God would act on the behalf of his people, the children of Israel. He would be their God. And as such, he asked for them to be his people. He asked for their obedience. This covenant was put into place and maintained by the shedding of blood, by the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. God's people would year after year bring their animals to the temple, to the tabernacle first and then to the temple. These animals would be sacrificed over and over again on the behalf of the people. And the blood of the animals would symbolically cover their sin. And so when Christ said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, he was saying that he was establishing a new, a better, a lasting covenant with those 
whom he would die for on the cross. It was a covenant based on the shedding of his blood. And it was a once-for-all covenant. No more animal sacrifices would be needed. No more going to the temple year after year. The death, the blood of Jesus Christ, represented by the the cup that we're going to take today, is able, not, not symbolically, but actually, to cover the sins of those who trust in Him. In the new covenant, Christ provides salvation from eternal death. Christ provides forgiveness and deliverance from your sins. Christ provides new relationship with God. And we enter this covenant, this covenant by faith, this covenant of blood by faith, by putting our trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. When we, on on this first communion of 2016, remember Christ's sacrificial death, we're also remembering that if we are to receive the benefits of that death, then we must enter into a new covenant with Him, a covenant based on His blood. Not, Not a covenant in the blood of sheep and goats, but trusting in the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what this table represents to us today. Can the, can the worship team and the ushers come, come forward as I lead us in prayer? Lord God, thank you again for your word and the exciting time ahead of us as we go through it together. Lord, and thank you for what all of your word points to, to Jesus Christ, to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for his, his willingness to come. We thank you for your love for us that, that you sent him, his 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 willingness to come and not just come and be one of us, but to, but to die for us, Lord. We thank you for that. Amen. Just take a take a minute, and just prepare your heart uh, for for partaking in communion again. Communion is for any any believer in, in Jesus Christ. Just take a minute in silent prayer before the Lord.